0: You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other, and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today?
1: I am lovely and fantastic. How are you?
0: Doing great also, thank you. Great. Ready to get started?
1: I am ready to dive in. Let's hear what you're going to share with us.
0: Let's get started. So, Isela, Have you ever watched TV before?
1: A lot. Yes. I excel at watching TV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What would you say your favorite TV show is?
1: That's a hard one. Favorite TV show.
0: Or one of your favorites.
1: Okay. So I know this is going to sound super nerdy, but there was this show. It was called The Universe. And for some reason, it's not on anymore, but it was really cool. And it had tons of information and it was just... All about things that like sometimes your mind can't even fathom. So that was really cool. I used to like to watch that.
0: Cool. Is it like one of those Discovery or Science Channel shows?
1: Yes, exactly. What about you? What were your favorites?
0: Current favorites are probably Batwoman and um, Superman and Lois. Probably favorite shows of all time are Arrow and Smallville.
1: I really figured you were going to say Smallville, especially (laughs) because you kept extolling your praises about. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. It
0: is such a good show. If anybody has Hulu and they're thinking about something cool to watch, I highly recommend it.
1: On that same tip, I thought Lucifer was such a great show. The title didn't really tell me what to expect. I was like, what is this about? And then when you went on to tell me that, oh, it's based off this comic. And then I was really intrigued. And then he's, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed it. It was funny. There was like intrigue. There was mystery. There was love. It was really great.
0: It is. It's a fantastic show.
1: Yeah. It was, that was definitely one of my favorites.
0: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: Thank you for introducing it to me.
0: You're very welcome.
1: <laughs>
0: now you got to go watch Smallville. I think that you'll enjoy that as well.
1: I think I will too. It's just, you scared me with what, was it like 11 seasons? Holy.
0: It's only 10 seasons, Isana.
1: Oh, oh, okay. One more scene. That's a lot of seasons. <laughs> I don't know if I got that in. me.
0: Lord Jesus. Now, when you watch some of your favorite TV shows, do you ever watch with closed captions turned on?
1: I actually almost exclusively watch things with closed caption on. And not just because I feel like the damage of all the concerts that I've been to have really done a number <laughs> to my hearing. But I also feel like sometimes... Uh, The characters might, like, say something lowly or, you know, and then I can't really understand what they say. But if the closed captioning is on, then I kind of know all the time what they're saying.
0: Same. Now, when you watch some of your favorite TV shows with closed captioning on, have you ever noticed that a lot of the TV shows say captioning by WGBH during the end credits?
1: I can't say I've ever taken notice of where the closed captioning comes from. No.
0: Okay, well, this is something that I noticed on a lot of TV shows that I liked. It would always say captioning by WGBH. So I was curious what that meant. So I had heard of WGBH before. One of my favorite podcasters, the delightful Andy and does the high-tech Heidi Ho for WGBH in Boston, Boston's NPR. So I was familiar with that call sign due to Andy and Uh-huh. Then I noticed that a lot of my favorite TV shows was, say, captioning by WGBH in the end credits and decided to do a little research on this and see if I could find out why. So today, I'm going to tell you what closed captioning is and how it differs from subtitles, who WGBH is and some other clients, as well as how you can support WGBH, and a few fun facts. My sources for this topic are FCC.gov, WGBH.org, and WNYCstudios.org.
1: I didn't even know that there is a difference between subtitles and closed captioning. See, I'm already learning and you haven't even dove into
0: it. <laughs> that was actually going to be my question to you. If you had to take a guess, a gander, if you will, what do you think the difference is?
1: I would... God, oh, that's hard. Okay, I think that subtitles maybe explains more of the what's going on in the scene, like music plays or... Someone enters or loud footsteps. I don't know. I could totally be wrong because, you know, that's me 75% of the time.
0: (laughs) You're actually really close, but you kind of got him backwards. Hmm. The most basic explanation is that subtitles assume that you can hear the audio, but you just want the dialogue provided in text form. Maybe you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie, and this is not a knock on Christopher Nolan. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. But in some of his later movies, the dialogue is almost impossible to hear in some scenes. Interstellar is a perfect example of this. It was very difficult to hear the audio over all the other sound effects. Originally, I thought it was just me since I have some mild hearing loss. But it was such a problem on this particular movie that movie theaters were putting up disclaimers saying that there was nothing wrong with the movie theater or their sound system. And the poor sound mixing was just a director's vision.
1: Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize that they had to put up signs. That seems like a little bit of a fail if there's that many people asking.
0: Yeah, no, there were a lot of complaints about it. And most people were naturally blaming the movie theaters for it because you would expect that a movie would be mixed properly. Christopher Nolan even defended it and he said that it was his vision and the things that you couldn't hear, you were meant not to hear. Which doesn't make any sense. Why would you record dialogue that you weren't meant to hear?
1: Right. Then why even write those words? Why even have write out a script for that? That's so strange.
0: Right. So in this case, in the case of Interstellar, you would definitely want subtitles if you don't want to come home angrily after the movie and uh, read the Wikipedia article for Interstellar to find out what the movie you just watched was about.
1: (laughs) That's a great movie.
0: It is a great movie. I loved it. Closed captioning is what you were saying earlier. It assumes that you cannot hear the audio and you want a description of what was happening. An example of this is when um, captioning will say things like, Cell phone vibrates or upbeat music is playing or a car is approaching an unsuspecting pedestrian at an alarming speed while the villainous driver laughs maniacally. (laughs) Most movies and TV shows have the captions or subtitles done in advance since they are pre-recorded, but what about live events like the news or sports contests? Oh, true. For these events, there is usually a stenographer that listens to the live broadcast and types what they hear into a computer program that adds the captions to the live television signal. That's why there's usually a delay in what's going on on the TV and what is displayed in the captions. This was demonstrated wonderfully on Attack of the Show. Did you ever watch Attack of the Show?
1: No, I don't, I don't even think I've heard of that one.
0: Of course not. You were popular and had friends.
1: I'll be quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Attack of the Show was a variety show aimed at geeks. They would focus primarily on things that appeal to geeks, like sex in new tech, video games, and geek fandom. Olivia Munn and Chris Hardwick, which you've probably heard of, yes. are the most famous people to come out of that show. And I think that most teens and young men my age primarily watched it because of Olivia Munn and because we we're hormone crazed post-adolescent perverts. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> An attack of the show, since it was a live TV show on G4, they decided they wanted to test closed captioning for speed and accuracy and try and find out information about the person that was actually doing the captioning. So, they started asking the stenographer questions during the show, and they would ask her to reply their questions in the captions. Wow. Since it was live, they watched themselves on TV to read her responses. They then started asking fill-in-the-blank questions to have the stenographer fill them in. They found out that her name was Kristen, and she was looking forward to drinking on the weekend. Oh, my God. My kind of girl.
1: Yeah. She's (laughs) just like us. Oh, my. This is like the coolest game of Mad Libs. (laughs) Right? Yeah.
0: And it was just so interesting watching it. I'll look for a clip of it and include it in the show notes if people want to see it. There's, there's clips of it on YouTube. The particular clip that I found when I was doing research for this was on um, archive.org. Okay. But um, yeah, it was really fun to see it because they, they were just standing there in front of a TV and they would ask the question and then watch it back with the captions to see um, <laughs> the captioner reply. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know what you're thinking. What the hell does any of this have to do with WGBH, Boston's NPR? <laughs> so let's take a quick break yeah. and I'll let you know when we come back.
1: Awesome.
2: In a time where trust is scarce and anxiety is high, count on the Daily Planet to provide you with up-to-the-minute news wherever you are. Our Pulitzer Prize-winning reporters ask all the hard questions, and our highly researched long-form exposés bring you all the facts to help you make an informed decision. We unveil the details on what's really going on behind the headlines, and our award-winning photographs come second to none. We cover everything in the Greater Metropolis area, as well as world news, finance, sports, politics, and gossip to prepare you To be the most informed person in any room. Whenever a story happens, the planet gets it first and has it webbed and in print while the New York Times is still fishing for sources. Be sure to subscribe to keep your finger on the pulse of all current events.
0: So how was your break, Isala?
1: It was fantastic. Just hanging out, drinking some water. Relaxing. What about you?
0: Good, good. Did you watch anything with closed captions during your break? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so before the break, I said that I would tell you what all of this has to do with WGBH, Boston's NPR. Yeah. It actually has everything to do with them. WGBH actually helped to create and implement both closed captioning and description services. Do you want to take a guess at the first TV show that they ever captioned?
1: Oh, this is going to be a fun one, because now I really have to think about how far back this goes.
0: Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It was in 1972. Whoa. And keep in mind, this is PBS.
1: Oh, no, I got nothing. I think in 1972, one, I wasn't alive. And then (laughs) the very first TV I watched was like Nicolico was, you know, something in Spanish. (laughs) So, sorry. I definitely can't help you there.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it was not Nicolico.
1: Oh, sadness.
0: It was the French chef with Julia Child.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: And that's fun fact number one for everyone that's playing at home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's time to take your shot, everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to try and do a Julia Child impression, but um, I'll spare you all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Spare your ears. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So for close to 50 years, WGBH has been offering accessibility services to the over 37 million people in the United States that are hard of hearing or hearing impaired. They created the Media Access Group, or MAG, to provide services for all the media and have offices in Boston and Los Angeles. And they don't just provide captioning for movies and TV shows. They also offer captioning for streaming content, documentaries, music videos, museums, and other attractions though they didn't really go into too much detail about museums and attractions so i don't have much information to provide on that they also captioned super bowl 52 which they estimated was watched with captions by over 100 million people
1: that's fantastic i'm all about people being excluded doesn't matter what group they belong to they should be entitled to entertainment just as as much as anybody else
0: Yeah, and and with sporting events like the Super Bowl, captioning is even more important because a lot of times people are watching it in bars or restaurants or other noisy places. So in those scenarios, the sound isn't on, but they will put on the caption so that that way people can read what the announcers are saying.
1: That's an excellent point. That's funny, I didn't even think about
0: that. Yeah, so that's why they estimated that over 100 million people will be watching it with captions. Right. Now, this wasn't the first American football game that they captioned. Being from Boston, they have a long-standing relationship with the Patriots and the Kraft Group, which owns the Patriots. They also provide captioning for other events at the Gillette Stadium, which I'm guessing is where the Boston Patriots play their home games. And they also do captioning for something called New England Revolution Games. Um, I didn't bother to Google what that was, but I'm assuming it's another sports contest. (laughs) Although my mind immediately went to Dance Dance Revolution and New England Clam Chowder. Oh, maybe we can start our own sport where we eat New England clam chowder while doing competitive dancing.
1: That would be fabulous. (laughs) Who would not want to see that? Even just trying to drink water. What a mess and fantastic. That's that is the best entertainment for like at least two minutes.
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I know what you're thinking. What does it take to be able to caption something as boring as the Super Bowl? (laughs) They actually did an interview with Janet Mahoney, who works for MAG at WGBH, and she stated that it was a lot of research and preparation. Before the game, she spends a lot of time studying all the coaches and players on each team, so she would be ready to write down or type anyone that the announcers mention. She also spent a lot of time researching other boring stuff like past Super Bowl history, most valuable players, and other stats, so that she would be ready to type them in real time as the announcers mentioned those things, between the commercial breaks.
1: Oh my goodness. Are they also trying to fill any dead air? Well, I don't think there's any dead air. That's so, that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, no, these people are professional talkers. So there's very little, if any, dead air. True. At the same time, she's a professional stenographer. So she can almost type in real time. That's amazing. And that was one of the things that she she had been talking about is that she's been doing captioning for over 30 years. So all that experience allows her to type, again, almost in real time and be able to tell different voices apart even when spoken in rapid succession. What's even crazier is that she doesn't use a normal keyboard like we do. She uses a stenographer's keyboard which allows her to form words quickly based on sounds rather than typing out each individual letter. The software uses a special dictionary that can be based around the Super Bowl. So um, they didn't go into too much detail about this but I'm guessing when it autocorrects. It'll default to football jargon. And she also says that she has a a special dictionary that she uses when she does the news.
1: Wow, that's really fascinating.
0: It is. And I'll try to remember to include a couple of the pictures of stenographer's keyboards in the Instagram and Twitter post for this show, so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. But from what I saw online, there really isn't a standardized keyboard. There are some that look like child's toys. There's others that look like they're devices from Star Trek. There was even this really cool one that looked like it came from the beautiful mind of H.R. Geiger. <laughs> so I can imagine that you kind of want to stick with whatever you know to remain efficient.
1: That's really interesting. It almost makes me wonder why, if they can type so quickly and so efficiently, why do we not have something like that?
0: That's a great question. It might be just a force of habit. We got used to using a regular keyboard, so that's what we use. Plus, I'm sure. You know, making the different types of dictionaries, that probably wasn't something that was available back when keyboards and typewriters were first used. Yeah. So they couldn't autocorrect based on whatever topic it was that you were talking about.
1: That's true. Very valid point. Yeah.
0: That's just a hunch. They didn't really go into detail about that, but that's just what I'm assuming. Now, the Super Bowl and all things New England aren't the only clients of WGBH. Being that they're the OGs, they do all the big events. They also do the nationwide captioning for the Grammys. The Tony Awards, the Country Music Awards, and even presidential inaugurations.
1: So, what you're saying is that they essentially have a monopoly on all the big
0: events? I wouldn't necessarily call it a a monopoly, but I guess since they've been doing it for so long, they're the company that's trusted for doing it.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: Now, do you want to hear what some of their other clients are?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Roll call (laughs) Universal, Sony Pictures, CBS viacom amazon studios usa 20th century fox and whatever something called focus features is
1: what you don't know who focus features is i do not they make these really cool quirky movies like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind the one with jim carrey and kate winslet
0: maybe it would help if i had watched that movie
1: (gasps) oh my goodness that was a little dagger to my heart you should watch that movie it's very (laughs) it's very cool
0: I'm not the biggest Jim Carrey fan, so normally that's a reason for me not to watch a movie.
1: Totally understood. I really disliked him when he first started with, I think, was, I don't know if Mask was one of his first ones, or The Mask, I don't know. I, it Even just watching him on those trailers, it was so melodramatic and overacted, and it was not funny to me. So I get it, but he went on to do some pretty decent roles, and that one was definitely one of them.
0: I can't hate on him entirely, like hate his whole filmography. Right. I did really like Ace Ventura and I did like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Right. But then it just kind of seemed like he was always playing the same role. So um, I kind of got burned out. The same thing as like with Adam Sandler, he kind of always plays the same role. So there are movies that I definitely like from those two actors, but I can only take so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you, and you're right. Dumb and Dumber is, it's almost like one of those cult classics. It's fantastic, actually.
0: I love that movie.
1: Yeah, no, it's hilarious. I, I need to let my daughter watch it. I think she'll enjoy it.
0: <laughs> so,
1: sorry. I totally took us on a crazy tangent.
0: That's fine. That's <laughs> what this podcast is for, is to get derailed into crazy tangents.
1: Even though it's technically a podcast. <laughs> this is technically also a, a conversation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
0: There is a podcast that's called Technically a Podcast. Yeah. I discovered that. And That's doing so research. Yeah. That's so funny. So yeah, no, we're not technically a podcast. I'm sure they're a great podcast. We're technically a conversation. We are. So if you think that what WGBH does is wonderful and you want to be a sponsor, you can visit WGBH.org slash support if you would like to donate to them. They are a public broadcasting service, and like most PBS members, they rely mostly on donations. Although after doing that roll call, I'm sure they get a nice coin off of that. They do. But keep in mind, captions isn't all that they do. They have a lot of different services that they offer the public, like a television station, a radio station, news outlet.
1: Yeah. So the overhead's got to be pretty high, too, generally.
0: True. Plus, they have to pay all the people to do that. True. Like I promised, I have a few fun facts about closed captioning services. And appropriately enough, these are from closedcaptionservice.com. I also stole a couple from a Mental Floss article by Scott Allen. Missed opportunity to be called Alan Scott. <laughs> now, I already gave you one fun fact earlier in the show. Right. So I'm going to give you a few more. 321 Contact was the first children's program to be closed captioned. It aired on PBS from March of 1980 to 1988. Do you want to guess the second children's show to be captioned?
1: Would it be like Captain Kangaroo? Was that also PBS? Or what was that? What was the one with... um? The won't you be mine, would you be mine, would you be my neighbor?
0: Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood?
1: That guy, yes.
0: (laughs) It was not. The second children's show to be captioned was Sesame Street, which began airing later in 1980. It is also the longest running captioned children's program on television.
1: That's awesome. That was one of my favorite shows growing up.
0: Me too. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, although Snuffy looked a little scary sometimes. Right? Like he was he would like kind of wave his trunk around and then like one day he was just gonna like be too high and he was gonna knock somebody <laughs> over or something. That's <laughs> what I felt like he was gonna knock freaking Oscar out of his trash can or something.
0: I always thought his trunk looked like an uncircumcised penis. Oh wow, we oh. went there.
1: <laughs> we went there in this episode. <laughs> Holy hell. Yeah.
0: We have that explicit parental warning for a reason, so we might as well take advantage of it.
1: That's true. He did look a little strange. There's a funny joke where Dave Chappelle talks about how he was watching that show, and he said, why Why was everybody always hating on Oscar the Grouch? <laughs> they were like, God, you sure are a grouch, Oscar. And, you know, I'm like being mean to him or whatever. <laughs> and then he said he was like, I would have been like, bitch, I live in a trash can. Of course it's going to be like this. <laughs> anyway, some of his earlier stand-up.
0: <laughs> I always liked Oscar the Grouch.
1: He kept it 100. That's what I can definitely tell you.
0: Maybe Cookie Monster was my favorite just because he had like a death metal voice. So <laughs> I always could um, could relate to that a, a little bit.
1: Yeah. I thought Kermit was, was really sweet. Miss Piggy was way too much of a diva. I was sometimes annoyed by her. But Beaker was always the sweetest. He was. Yeah. He
0: was a sweetheart.
1: Beaker was the sweetest, even though I didn't understand him most of the time, which is probably another reason why I feel close to him. That's I'm like, oh, my God, he's like me. <laughs> and then, you know, the other one I really liked to Fozzie Bear. Fozzie never gave up on giving his jokes and nobody laughed at him. His little undying spirit was adorable.
0: I can totally relate to him because most people don't laugh at my corny jokes either. So.
1: That's not true. You're such a liar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Sugar Bowl of January 1st, 1981 was the first live sporting event with captioning. I had no idea what that was and had initially thought that they meant the Super Bowl and was a typo, but the first Super Bowl to be captioned was on January 20th of 1985. So I did a little bit of research and according to Google, the Sugar Bowl is an annual American college football game played in New Orleans, Louisiana. Played. Annually, since January 1st, 1935, it is tied with the Orange Bowl and Sun Bowl as the second oldest bowl game in the country, surpassed only by the Rose Bowl game. So, I'm sure those words mean things to people.
1: (laughs) Well, especially (laughs) when you're talking football and we're in Texas. Wow, that's really incredible. Just because as soon as you said 1935, wow, I I immediately thought, God, this has got to be one of the oldest bowls then.
0: It is. And I appreciate that the Sun Bowl was shouted out on that one.
1: Yes. I don't think a lot of people understand, but we do have one of the oldest bowls that have been played.
0: That's a Dun haskins thing, right? The Glory Road or whatever?
1: No. So the, the Sun Bowl is football and the Glory Road that you're talking about is basketball. We're crossing streams of our um, <laughs> our <laughs> Ghostbuster <laughs> guns here. <laughs> yeah.
0: In 1990, a law called the Television Decoder Circuitry Act of 1990 was passed, mandating that all televisions, 13 inches or larger, for sale in the U.S., contain caption decoders. Wow. Do you remember 13-inch TVs? I do
1: remember 13-inch TVs. They were super sucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they were not fun. But we thought they were the shit back in the day.
0: True. Made a nice kitchen TV.
1: Yes, I never had a kitchen TV. I felt like people who had kitchen TVs or even would mention that, I'm like, oh yeah, they're rich.
0: (laughs) I do have a kitchen TV. I am anything but rich.
1: I don't remember seeing your kitchen TV, but of course, it's not like I hang out there all the time.
0: In 2006, the FCC ruled that all broadcast and cable television programs must include captioning. There are some exceptions like ads that are less than five minutes and programs that air between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., probably because whatever they give at that time is not worth watching anyway. I feel like the FCC is doing you a solid on that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. It would be these poor stenographers like repeating, Oh wait, there's more. And if you call right now within the next hour, they would just keep repeating that every hour.
0: Now, we already went over the differences between closed captions and uh, subtitles. Do you know the difference between closed captions and open captions?
1: I'm going to say no, I don't, because I don't think I've ever heard of open (laughs) captions either. (laughs) So what the heck is an open caption?
0: I had never heard of it either until I was researching for this topic. Open captions are always visible on the screen. They're actually part of the video. Think of a subtitle of a foreign film, although that's technically a subtitle and not a caption. And a closed caption is on a separate track of the video is only visible with a decoder, like when you enable captions on your TV.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. Like when you turn it on, like when you physically turn it on.
0: So the closed part is that they're closed until you enable them.
1: Now I get it. Okay. That is very interesting. I don't think I've seen too many things with open captions. Well, I mean, unless, like you said, maybe those foreign films, I guess, would be counted as them because we kind of import them in.
0: True. Or if you're watching a movie where um, they show people from another country and they're speaking their native language. Normally, that is shown in open captions, but it's normally translated so that you know what they're talking about.
1: That makes sense.
0: And as they say in Japanese, owari.
1: Owari. Nice. Look, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, researched that too?
0: Yeah, I did actually.
1: Oh, wow. Very impressive. You had all this extra time on your hands. You're like, how else can I
0: say this? <laughs> No, not at all. I actually didn't have a lot of time to research on this one. Not as much as I would have wanted to.
1: No, I know. And sometimes we just get on these. I think the one before that we had done, you end up going on these research tangents where you're like, wait, so how long did this happen? And did this ever happen before? And you just end up with like 12 different articles that you've read and three different videos that you've watched. And yeah, it ends up being pretty fun. I'll be perfectly honest with you.
0: It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish there were maybe two or three more hours in the day to be able to, to research everything. And to be able to sleep as well, yeah.
1: <laughs> just kidding, yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't get enough of that. But yeah, no, I agree. Two or three more hours would be really, really sweet. We can slow down the turning of the earth, right? Very Superman style.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> just kidding.
1: Very cool. I appreciate this uh, this topic. I don't even think I've ever even given it a second thought, which is really sad to see. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the thing that inspired me was just seeing that captioning by WGBH, and I just wondered why I saw it so much. So I did a Google search, and five pages of notes later, we have <laughs> <laughs> we have this topic.
1: Of course, your observational ass would notice stuff like that. I'm just like, <laughs> that was a good movie, or that was a good <laughs> show, and mm, turn it off. Wow, very cool though. I appreciate you bringing this info.
0: You're very welcome. So we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever find podcasts are sold. (laughs) Follow us on the gram and the tweets at greetingsTAC. Email us at greetingsTAC at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us.
1: And you know you do.